Welcome to Speaking the Truth in Agape Love Podcast. We are hosts, Chad Mitchell and David Finch. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm Chad Mitchell. And I'm David Finch. And we're glad to be back with you for another study. A uh, day early this time. We got a graduation <laughs> uh, tomorrow for my oldest. And so we moved our day for our midweek worship. Moved it up a day so that uh, we can attend that. And so you're getting us a day early. And we appreciate you listening. Uh, we see um, those of you, at least in the cities, that are listening to a portion of our podcast. And we appreciate you um, uh, listening and, and studying with us. And most important, caring about um, spiritual things and and uh, wanting to, to listen to a study from God's Word. Uh, I know David and I are uh, encouraged just ourselves sitting here studying and, and doing a podcast and, and studying from God's Word. So any day to be able to open his uh, Bible and read from it and study from it, it's a good day. That's right. And uh, even though we got a thunderstorm moving in on us, we don't care. <laughs> We're just uh, going to study from God's Word. And David um, had a, a good lesson for us that we're going to talk about, about uh, David uh, and and his psalms and kind of the the trials and tribulations that he went through in psalms, and uh, so we're gonna enjoy our study as we talk about David. We could be here all night. Oh man, <laughs> we really could, with David. Um, but if you have any questions, um, just send us the email. The email's in the link. Um, uh, Truth and agape love at gmail dot com, and then if you're in the area, we see a lot of Blackfoot people clicking on our podcast. Uh, we'd love to have you come worship with us. Uh, we'll receive you with a handshake and, and, a, and a smile. Uh, we'd love to have you come and, and worship with us. We we sing songs, hymns, uh, uh, and we have a study, you know, on yeah. Sunday. Um, Protect the Lord's Supper. Um, worship or class. We have a class open, open class discussion at 10 a.m. Uh, where you can join in the study. Um, for both kids and adults. And then uh, at 11 a.m. we have our worship service where we sing songs, um, protect the Lord's Supper, and hear a message from God's Word. Um, and so we'd love to have you. We'd, we'd love to have you come worship with us. So if you're in the area, 370 North Schilling, Blackfoot, Idaho, 83221. Uh, and if you're planning a vacation out west, put us on your schedule. We'd love to have you worship with us on Sundays. And Wednesday evening, 7.30, we have our Bible study. So come and see us. We'd love to, to, to have you worship with us. And if you have any questions, we're always, always available. available. We're always available to come and come to you and have a study in God's Word. If you have any questions, anything that you're struggling with, uh, you know, life's tough sometimes. Yeah. And, and we all have uh, struggles and, and trials. thing is, you can find the answer right in God's Word most of the time. Just sit That's down and right. study, and he, we can see examples of people who've gone through pretty much the same thing. That's right. Uh, even though it was real, years David and years has gone ago. through quite a bit. David, David, there's a lot of people who deal with the same trials that David had. Yeah. Uh, today, and uh, that's kind of remarkable, but it just shows you that uh, man hasn't changed. The that's needs right. of the needs of man have not changed, and uh, one of the biggest ones is uh, overcoming or being. Uh, sin, you know, we all that's right. sin. That's our biggest problem, and and so David, David dealt with the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he did. So with that, um, you can go ahead and get us kicked off here, Dave. Yeah. So we know from First Samuel thirteen fourteen that God called David a man after His own heart. Now I don't know about anyone else, but I would love if God called me. A man after his own heart. <laughs> you know, that's something that I think we all strive for, you know. And so that's why I wanted to look at look at David and try to find out what makes him who he is. What makes him a man after God's own heart. And then see if we can incorporate some of that into our own lives. Yeah. You know, and one of the good ways to look at David is through the Psalms. Mm -hmm. So David is 
is known as the psalmist, right? And throughout Psalms, when you when you are looking through Psalms, there are seventy three Psalms attributed to him. So right above the Psalm, it'll tell you who wrote it, or if some Psalms they don't have anyone uh, mentioned on there, and so but seventy three of them are attributed to David. So right above the psalm it says, you know, a psalm of David or a song of David. But then when you look at Acts 4.25, we see that um, he quotes Psalm 2. And Psalm 2 is not attributed to David when you're you're reading through Psalms. But here in Acts 4.25 it says, Who by the mouth of your servant David have said... Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? So because of Acts 4.25, the inspired writer who wrote Acts, we see that David also wrote Psalm 2, which makes 74. And then when you go over to Hebrews 4.7, it says again he designated a certain day, saying, In David, today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now, that is a quote from Psalm 95. And when you're reading through Psalms, it's not a psalm that is attributed to David. So again, the inspired writer in Hebrews calls out another psalm that David wrote. So as far as we know, David wrote 75 psalms total, at least, which is half of the psalms there's 150 psalms so if you are if you are reading through psalms and somebody asks you hey who wrote this song if you say david you got a 50% chance of getting right <laughs> and so but what we see what's beautiful about looking at at the psalms and we see that david wrote the psalms throughout his life now, I don't care if there's only three verses in a psalm or if there's 50 verses in a psalm. It takes meditation, yeah. right? Like, it, it takes sitting down, focusing on the Lord. Mm-hmm. And and we see David doing this throughout his life. You know, from his, his younger years to his later years, he was always devoted to the Lord. And so that's really... What the lesson was was more um, focused on was looking at the Psalms and looking at at different times in his life when he was writing these certain Psalms. So even as as David was a warrior, right? He was writing Psalms depending on God. We we always see that that David always depended on on God to fight his battles. Um, Psalm one forty four. One and two. Chad, if you can read that. Yeah, sure. That's Psalm 144. I was going to say something, too. Yes. Like, you know, um, talking about focusing, you know, we get so tied up in our all the different things in day-to-day life. Yeah. Uh, it's extremely difficult to uh, focus as much as David do. And when you think about it, he he almost had to, like, put himself in a isolated place you know to think and to, that's right to meditate uh because he would have cares as well yeah. you know i mean he was the king you know there was tons of people needing him but yet <laughs> i can't imagine the stress on his shoulders yeah but yet he found time to isolate himself put himself apart and focus because that's what he would have had to do yeah you know don't bother me i'm going i'm going to be meditating or whatever yeah so I think it's a good example for us because sometimes we should put ourselves in those places too, which is really difficult. You oh, think, yeah. You think about unplugging. Yeah. The first thing that I do when I'm sitting there waiting for something, I grab my phone and I just start <laughs> scrolling. Yeah. You know? Yep. And I think we all have those tendencies and those problems. Those habits. You know, I was we went to dinner the other day and I went walked past the table when we were leaving and there was six guys, maybe it was lunch, I think it was lunch, there were six guys sitting around the table and they're all scrolling their phones. And it just, I thought it was kind of funny, but I'm guilty too, 
Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not innocent. But none of them were talking to each other. Hey, let's go to lunch and sit on our phones. It was just comical. Maybe they were texting one another. I don't know, but it is so hard for us to get away from that and focus Yeah. on God's word or whatever. Yeah. But, but David's a great example. So, sorry, I didn't, that was just, I was something I was thinking as you were talking about him. Him meditating. Meditating. Finding that time. And finding yeah. that time away is something we all need to work on. Yeah. You know, and I'm talking to myself here because it's tough. Yeah. You know, you sit down and the first thing you do is grab your phone and start scrolling. Well, and, and one of the things that we see with, with Christ as well is he also does that. You know, where the multitudes were thronging him and yet he would, he would call them all away and he would go find a quiet place to pray. Yeah. Like he made that time, you mm-hmm. know, and that's something that a lot of people, oh, I'm so busy and I... And I am just as guilty, like you're saying, Chad, I'm just as guilty of, I get so busy, and then next thing I know, I'm like crashing, you know? Everyone has those days where they're busy all the time, but but you know what? Someone who's a man after God's own heart stops and takes the time. He doesn't, they make the time, you know? I mean, and we're going to get into it a little bit later, but even while David was fleeing for his life, Mm -hmm. he sat there and wrote some psalms. Yeah. Like you know what when when you're when you're fleeing for your life, that would be the last thing on my mind is hey let's sit down and and write a beautiful psalm to God well, you know or or I, something like that. I know as Americans we all get in a hassle. It's just go go go. You know we went, yeah. When we went up and visited my uncle who lives on a farm in Canada, and it was like our pace went from up here and just like you unplug the motor, you know. And now we're down here. Yeah. You know, it's because uh, it's such a slower pace of life up there. They don't get in a hurry for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they live way out in the, away from everything. You can't get, an, we couldn't get an Amazon package delivered there. Okay. <laughs> that's how far away yeah. it is. And, and when they do, they usually throw it on a truck that's headed that way. They don't care who it is. <laughs> hey, we got some packages headed up to Peace River. Throw them on there. So the bread truck might take it or the whatever it is. Wow. It will take a packages sometimes to take up there. Anyways, but but uh, what I'm saying is we live such a fast pace. Um, and we think David, well, he, he didn't have, shoot, it was easy to be David, King David. Guess what? I'll bet he had the same distractions Oh man! Just in a different way that we have. Well, and you know what's funny is we find these distractions, right? Like you're saying, like mm-hmm. you pick up your phone, you you do this. Oh sure. A king has everything at his disposal. Yeah. He can he can find anything to, you know, to occupy his time. No one's gonna tell him no. No, and not only that. I mean, men they lust, right? Mm-hmm. Now imagine, Chad, if you had women at your disposal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could find time to do something. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't take the time to meditate. You know, and, and but that's what makes yeah. that's what makes David a man after God's own heart. Because he, even though he could have anything he wanted as king, yeah, he still took the time and meditated and and wrote songs. His love for God was always there. So you want me to read one forty four? Yeah, uh, just verse one and two. Okay. So Psalms 144, 1 and 2 says, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hand for war, and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge, who um, subdues my uh, people under me. So notice how, how, as David is describing this, it is... God who trains his hands for war. It is, he's fighting the Lord's battles. Yeah. That's what he's talking. The Lord is fighting my battles, you know, and David always sought the Lord, and, and he, he always meditated on what God would think of it. He put his trust ready. in God, too. That's right. You know, getting ready for the battle, it was seeking God, you know. Another psalm we see in Psalm 18, verse 39 He's, as again, he's talking about God, and he says, For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. So 
you know, in Psalm 144, he talks about God subdues his people under him. In Psalm 18, 39, those who rise up against me, God subdues under him. Mm-hmm. And this really, we even see David having this attitude when he went up and, and fought against Goliath. Now, this is something that, you know, everyone, almost everyone knows the story of David and Goliath. Oh, sure. But there's there's so many unique details what makes David so special. It, um, so if you would turn over with me to 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to start reading in verse 45 through 47. And so this is after... 19, you said? First uh, Samuel 17. Okay. This is after he's already gone to Saul, and Saul um, tries to put the armor on him. Yeah. The armor didn't fit him, mm-hmm. because it wasn't fit for David. So he took it off, and he had only five smooth stones and his sling. And he starts walking out to battle. He starts mm-hmm. to walk and face this behemoth of a man. Mm-hmm. Now... Goliath, he he stood about nine feet nine inches tall. Chad, I, I called you out in, in my, in my oh, lesson. Yeah, yeah, you're like the tallest guy here. Mm-hmm. You would be at this guy's waist. Sure, but that's not really what made Goliath so scary. I mean, that alone would make him scary. But he was also a champion of war. Mm-hmm. So he has been. He knows war, mm-hmm. and and he knows how to win. He's a champion, you know, and so. That's really what makes him scary. And David is a youth at this time. Mm-hmm. And we see that in verse 33 um, of 1 Samuel well, 17. And, and another thing about Goliath is, you know, back in those days, their military, um, you know, their defense, the, the military, it was a lifestyle. Like, right. Like, you, you were trained from a kid. Yep. And so this Goliath would have been that, basically. Yeah. All he knows is fighting and winning. And, yeah. and 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 he's strong and powerful and uh, I'm sure very um, decorated, you might say. Well, and <laughs> kind of like the the gladiators. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like, they, that's all they did. From, they they trained from from morning to night. You yeah, know, and and a lot of those soldiers, that's exactly what they were. They that's were right. just trained from from boys. Yeah. To fight. That's all they and did. That's was, all they did. Was yeah. Fight. That's all they knew. Yeah. And so, if that's all you know, you're going to get really good at it. Yeah. You know? Sure. And so that was one thing that, that he had a reputation. Yeah. I'm sure everyone probably knew about it. They talked about it. Oh yeah, and they knew about this big guy on the other side who is a champion of a war. a champion of war. Because I think Saul calls him out as a champion of sure. war. Sure. And so yeah, everyone knows who Goliath is. <laughs> and so this young punk. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I'll face him. But so let's read. Uh, Starting in verse 45 of 1 Samuel 17. If you're listening in with us, please, if you have your Bible, turn over there with us and, and listen with us. Unless you're driving. Unless you're driving. Then just listen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Starting in verse 45, it says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So this part, this is right when he faces Goliath. Goliath calls him out and says he's going to you know, kill him and, and all that stuff. And then David talks back. But notice how David says, you come to me with sword, with spear, and with a javelin. Yeah. But David is not depending on fighting his battle. Mm-mm. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Yeah. And he gives credit to the Lord, and he says, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And keep in mind, he does not have a sword, right? He took all that off. All he had was five smooth stones and his um, (laughs) sling. Yeah. 
And so uh, let's read. Let's read verse forty nine. Because yes, because forty nine says, "Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead, so that it, the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth." Yeah. Then, so then David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in his hand of David. So he pretty much killed him with the stone then. Yeah. And it, so, and then if you continue reading, if, if yeah, I recall correctly. because he grabs his sword and cuts his... And then it says it killed him again. Mm-hmm. So either he, he knocked him out with a stone... Or he killed him, and he just yeah, cause he did what he said he was going to do. He says, therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath, and killed him and cut off his head with it. Yeah, and so either he was he was knocked out from the rock. Yeah. Either way, he was subdued. Yeah. And and so, but then to go back to verse forty six. So this is before the battle happens. He doesn't have a sword. All he has is his sling and his five stones, his five smooth stones, not even a, a sharp edge stone, right? They're smooth stones. And he says, I'm going to strike you and take your head from you. How was he planning on doing that? Yeah, exactly. He was already planning yeah. on on subduing Goliath with a stone, taking the sword, taking Goliath's sword and killing him with his own sword. Like, But here's another piece of this whole thing. That makes David such a great man of faith. God never told him to go up against the Philistine. Yeah. If you recall, he was he was only there. His dad called him to tell him to go and take care of his his son's needs because his brothers were actually on the front lines of this battle, right? Getting ready mm-hmm. to go into this battle. His brothers were there and he was going to, to tend to their needs. And he overheard the Philistine, this Goliath, calling him out. And he says, you can't defy the God of Israel. Yeah. And he's just like, so from that, all he knew is, you can't defy the God of Israel. Mm -hmm. You can't defy my God. Mm -hmm. And so that's what made him stand before him. That's that that great faith, that he just had complete trust in God, that God was going to see him through it. And then here's another part. When you back up to verse 36... So, David was already, um, we know that David is already in his youth. Saul said he's in his youth in verse 33. In verse 36, Chad, can you read that verse? Yeah. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and uncircumcised Philistine uh, and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will like be like one of them seeing he has defiled the armies of the living god so david by this point in his youth has already faced a lion and a bear mm-hmm. and killed him mm-hmm. but here's here's a beautiful foreshadowing of christ and and this is like a side point type thing but david was willing to risk his life to save his sheep from the mouth of the lion and the bear. Mm-hmm. Christ willingly gave his life for his sheep. Mm-hmm. And so that you have that beautiful foreshadowing going on right there. But even then, he was giving God the glory. God delivered the lion and the bear into my hand. And God is going to deliver this uncircum- uncircumcised Philistine into my hand as well. So this is what's so beautiful about David, well, even in his youth. This is the point where David pretty much got put on the map, you might say. Yeah. And everyone knew who David was after this. And and by this point, he was already anointed king. Mm-hmm. He, he was already anointed to be king. Mm-hmm. Um, Samuel, back in, in verse 13, it, 13, 14, when God says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, choose one after my own heart so by this point he was already done with Saul and he wanted to find another to fill his place and so that's where you see all this so by this point David already knew that he was going to be king he was already anointed king but it was still kind of more on the uh, the hush hush side of things I would say not everyone really knew um but David... Well, Saul, Saul puts him over everything. 
you know. Yeah, he does. Immediately. And Saul doesn't know at that point. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. So, like, he puts him, he's in charge of the armies now. So he goes from this little kid who's just a shepherd boy. (laughs) Yeah. And all of a sudden now he's in charge of the armies. And he starts slaying his thousands mm-hmm. to David or to uh, Saul's hundreds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's actually that song that those women were mm-hmm. singing for him. Yeah, that that got Saul angry. Wait, it's hailing. And so, uh, yeah, this storm is really <laughs> yeah, kicking can, up. I was like, what is that? It's it's hail coming <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah, here's something. But uh, but it was what made David so great is. He always had God in the forefront of his mind. Just like David says in Psalm 37, 31, says the law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. And what made David so great, and the reason why his his steps never never faltered in any way when he would go into to battle, was because God was was the one leading his steps. The mm-hmm. God, yeah, he put his trust in he God. He put his trust in God, and he allowed God to fight his battles. And that's why when he went into battle, his foot never slipped, you know? Yeah. I think of how horrible it would have been if he was facing Goliath, and it, it, it talks about him and start running towards Goliath. What if his foot slipped as he was running? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy, he's done. You know? But his foot never slipped because he, God was always in the center of his heart. You know, and our, for us today, you know, as it talks about in Romans 6, actually, let's turn over there so we know what I'm talking about. Romans 6, verse 12, he says, Therefore, not Romans, Ephesians 6. <laughs> I love it when I do what that. What it says there is not what I want it to say. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of trying to change the Bible, let's just go to where it actually says it. There you go. <laughs> so, Ephesians 6, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness. Of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand or being able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Mm -hmm. So, in verse 12, he talks about for us today, we do not fight with flesh and blood, flesh and blood is not our fight. Our fight is a spiritual fight. A spiritual warfare is what we're going through. And you need God's armor to fight this battle. Yeah. You know, and just like it says in Psalm 37, you know, if you don't want your foot to slip, mm-hmm. you know, put God first. Yeah. And, you know, like just like um, when you sit down and study with somebody, you know what, if you have God's word opened up, mm-hmm. And you're just taking them to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. You're allowing God to fight the battle, and you don't slip. You know, and some of the the best studies I've had was just allowing God to speak. You know, I'll, so I'll I'll take them to the verse, and I'll have them read it. So if their, you know, their belief contradicted what the Bible said, and instead of just saying, "Well, that actually isn't what the Bible says." I just took them to the verse. You know, they, they were talking, um, they thought that the Word of God, or uh, what was it? You can just believe Christ in your heart. Yeah. So I took them to um, Acts 2, you know, where repent, be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we were also studying through Mark. And I said, so at what point here did they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? And then I took them back to Mark. I said, at what point did Christ receive the Holy Spirit? When did the Holy Spirit descend on him like a dove? And we sat in silence for about five minutes. Yeah. 
And finally, the husband just said, after baptism. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That was... <laughs> they didn't fight with me. You know, and if I just said, well, that actually contradicts what the Bible says, it would have been a fight. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They didn't want to fight with God. You know, bless them. They didn't want to fight with God, so they just... Well, yeah. we see what happens when you do. Look at the Philistine. Yeah. You can't fight with God. You can't. Uh, we can't go against his words. Well, you can, but you'll lose. That's right. And, <laughs> you know, and that that's what, exactly what we're talking about. You know, we... The great thing about David is he always knew that God was in charge, and God was on his side. Yeah, so that's right. And then you know what makes him even um, really unique is David turned to God and meditated upon God when fearing for his life. You know, during the his times of fleeing mm-hmm. or you know worrying about his life, he wrote twelve different psalms. You know, he wrote Psalm 3, 7, 30, 34, 52, 54, 56, 57, mm-hmm. 59, 60, 63, and 142. Those are the, the Psalms that he wrote. Now, for my lesson, I did not look at all of them, right? But let me ask you something. I told you we could be here all night. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> we did warn you. <laughs> yeah. But... Let me ask you something. When you are fleeing for your life, I, I hope you actually don't have to flee for your life, but when you're freaking out, and pers- let's say somebody is chasing you, trying to seek your life, what are you doing? You know, Would you be able to, to stop and meditate on God mm-hmm. and ungodly things? Because for a lot of people, that's the furthest thing from their mind. And it's not that they're... they're Seeking to put God behind them, but you're freaking out. You you can't think straight, so you're just you know babbling buffoon type of thing, you know. Or I can imagine myself just constantly looking over my shoulder, mm-hmm. freaking out, worrying about this next moment's going to be my last moment, you know. But the man after God's own heart took the time to meditate on God. Chad, can you read uh, Psalm one forty two? And let's read all that. Okay, Psalm one forty-two. This was in he when he was in a cave. This is a most common, probably psalm that everyone's heard before. So starting in verse one of Psalm one forty-two. Yep. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed with me, then you knew my path in the way in which I walk. They have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. It wasn't the one I was thinking, but it's a good one. No, it is a good one. But notice how he's freaking out, but yet he's he's saying, I pour out my complaint before him. Mm-hmm. He knows that only the Lord can deliver him. And so that's where all of his trust is. You know, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path mm-hmm. in the way in which I walk. They have secretly set a snare for me. You know, and, and another one that uh, he was doing writing while in a cave... I don't know if it's the same cave or that's another the, cave. That's the one I thought yeah. we are going to read. Which one is it? Psalm 57. Okay. And I can go ahead and read that one. That one is... That's uh, the one that's most common. Yeah. This Commonly one, read. This one, it sounds like it might have been... It says when he fled from Saul into a cave. So this is when, when Saul was actually in the cave resting, in the same cave that David was in the recession or in the recesses of the cave. And by the way, dude, I, I can't imagine being in a cave 
Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a big fan of spiders, <laughs> and I can only imagine that's where all the spiders are, especially in the recesses of the cave, yep. the, the deepest parts. I'd be freaking out, you know. Mm-hmm. I can imagine myself like a spider crawling on me, and I just start screaming or something, and yep. oh, now I'm caught. <laughs> yep. You know, but that and that alone scares me. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Psalm 57, this is 11 verses. I'll go ahead and read it. He says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out to God Most High, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it they themselves have fallen. My God is steadfast. O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake, my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken and dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches under the heavens, and your truth under the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. You know what? Here, it, it's almost like he wasn't even worried. Mm-hmm. You know, like, here Saul is hunting him, seeking to kill him. And by the way, wrongfully, right? David did nothing. He was a faithful, loyal servant mm-hmm. to Saul. Yeah. Doing anything Saul asked, and he did it. And, I you think, know, I think, it, well, obviously it was jealousy. Oh, yeah. Jealousy. But also, uh, Saul's heart was hardened mm-hmm. at some point. I can't remember exactly when. Yeah. But his heart was hardened, and there was, you know, he just. Yeah. His heart wasn't in the right place. And, But yet, he still trusted in the Lord. Mm-hmm. His heart was always, I know the Lord will deliver me. Mm-hmm. Now. If we recall, if you turn over to 1 Samuel 24, Chad, can you turn over there? First 1 Samuel 24, this is where Saul is in, is in the cave resting. The same cave that um, David is in the recesses of the cave. And in this section, even David's men are trying to tell David, this is God delivering Saul into your hand. So go ahead and start reading in verse 4 of 1 Samuel 24, and read through verse 7. Okay. It says, uh, Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemies into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. Which, read through where? Through verse 7. Okay. And he said to his men, The Lord forbids that I should do this thing to my master. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. So Saul is sitting here trying to kill David for no reason. And David's men are even telling him, this is what the Lord has talked to you about, delivering him into your hands. Take it. Seize the opportunity. Yeah. And notice, if you go back to to Psalm 57... He's sitting here talking about how the Lord is going to deliver him. He mm. knows that the Lord is going to deliver him. But yet as he's talking to his men, he says, Who am I to kill God's anointed? Yeah. 
he can't. And, you know, a part that was so touching is in verse 45, after cutting the, the corner mm-hmm. of his robe, David's heart was troubled. Yeah. He was troubled by just cutting the corner of his robe. Well, and imagine how frustrating this was for the servants. <laughs> yeah, you know, David's because, followers, Because yeah. they're like, finally, we got him. I mean, because they are in the battle with David to, yeah. to, to, to uh, run, flee from Saul. Yeah. They're trying to protect David. They got an opportunity yep. to take him out, and he won't let them. Yeah. That's got to be very frustrating for those servants, and they just don't understand. The thing is, his heart was troubled because it... uh, Saul's an anointed. It's God's anointed. And it it doesn't matter what Saul is doing to David. David, because of the love he has for God, knowing that God is the one that anointed him, he is not going to harm him. And, you know, so his men are telling him, hey, this is what God told you about. You know, take him out. This is... is the well, Lord's doing. like We should read verse 8 here. Sorry, yeah, I always, no, I always get it. looking because it's like uh, David also rose afterward, went out of the cave and called out to Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped his face to the earth and bowed down. He yeah. still had reverence That's right. for Saul to treat him like a king and bow before him. Yep. Because he was the king. Yeah. And that's how David the Lord's anointed. respected him. Now... This is a great example today in even for us because do we agree with our leaders all the time? <laughs> Not lately. <laughs> but yet we give reverence to the that's office, right. right? Yep. We recognize that that's the leader of our nation. Yep. Right? That's right. We have to give him reverence. Yep. Uh, Romans I, 13. I, uh, I got to... Uh, uh, listen to Barack Obama speak face to f- like I was right there in the audience. He was a good speaker. Yeah, and and now I don't go along with a lot of the politics with him. Right. But that was an amazing thing to be in a spot where I'm looking face to face to an American president. It's the first time in my life ever yeah. that I was ever that close to a president. And he was right there. Yep. Probably 60 yards from me, you know? And, uh, you know, that's a that's a reverent thing. Now, I don't go along with some of the policies, but it I still gave that office and that man reverence in being there. That's right. Because that's, and, you know, and look at the example that uh, David gives us here. Here's, yeah. a, here's a king that's trying to kill him, and yet he still bows down to him. Yeah. What a great example this is. Amen. Because he had reverence for that man. He was anointed from God. Yep. You know, and guess what? Our leaders are in position because God put them there. You know, that's right. We, we're told that. Romans 13. And as much as we, you know, we have to be careful, is all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, a good example of this is like, let's say, you know, they use the tax money for abortions. Mm hmm. I disagree with that completely. Yeah. And I, I completely stand against it. That's murder. Yeah. But I still pay my taxes. Yeah. It does not give me the right to be a vigilante. And, That's right. No, I'm not going to pay that. I'm not, yeah. you know. And, we leave it in God's hands. Yeah. The same the same as what uh, he says here, you know. Yeah, that's right. We we leave it in God's hands, and that's up to God, and we focus on the, the things that we need to yeah. be focusing on. Render under Caesar what is Caesar's. Yep. And, and what, what is God's render, render to it's God? Just, it's just remarkable to, remarkable to me. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, anyways... It, it's really interesting. This I, It's never yeah. stuck out to me like this uh, before, you know, studying about David and still the reverence he gave to a man that was trying to kill him. You bring out a very good point and a very strong point because you're absolutely right. You know, that's not something that I would want to be doing. No. This man seeking my life for no reason. Yeah, he still bowed down to he him. He bowed down right to him. And, and, and it was always about... Serving God mm-hmm. and and having that love for God, yeah. And so that's what's so beautiful about it. And you know, even here, it troubled him to even cut the edge of his robe. Yeah. And he was he was cutting the edge of the robe for a purpose. 
Because yeah. after he bowed, then he, he held up his thing and he said, look, I could have killed you. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I'm not going to because I am your servant. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I still honor you. Yeah. You know, David was willing to just drop everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care the fact that you were trying to kill me. Let's, let's end that. You know, talk about a peacemaker, right? Yeah. Yeah. How many of us would want revenge? Yeah, exactly. You know, and it doesn't matter if it's king or who, whoever, Man. who would want revenge? It's just amazing. Here, It's just amazing. Here's a guy that, uh, that is trying to kill him, yet he still bows down to him. It's just amazing. Could you do that? Yeah. You, no. you think about yourself. Could you do that to someone like that? You know, and we say, you know, a lot of our politics, it's like, if I ever see the president, I'm going to turn my back on him. You know. Yeah. Well, did David do that here? Yeah, that's not the that's not the Christian attitude <laughs> no, that we're called to have. We should have it, no matter who that is in office. Yep. You may not agree with them all the way. He may not be doing what God wants him to. Yeah. But guess what? That doesn't mean that we have to support him in all the wrong things that he's doing. Yeah. We just have to show reverence to him. You know, yeah. and that's something. You know, we speak against evil, and so if if he starts talking about abortion and how we need to support it. Oh, I knew. That. Oh boy, I so, knew that was going to happen. Yeah, so we, we just lost out. the lights, <laughs> and now they came back on. Um, but we're on battery. I got this. Yeah, but we're, we're on good. battery, so we're good. We're good. We can keep going. Uh, but you know, this is something that uh, it is such a powerful statement it really stands out to me right now as we, as we as we cover this because you know i've been guilty of uh bashing the president yeah. you, you know our current president now is uh easy to make fun of i'm sorry he, he just well, is and, uh, and i yet, don't i don't want to speak ill of him but it, it's harder to find something good that he's doing exactly i the than policies all the, that all the other things that's not not working out too well, well and it just keeps going down the road of sodom and gomorrah you know yeah with this uh you know the uh gender dysphoria thing going on right oh, now man. it's just and they keep adding to the lgbq oh, thing and, and in yeah, fact it's at the end of it now they just put a plus so yeah all the other things that you want to add on to that and it's yeah. like and we know from god's word that he just does not go along with that you know, God, uh, God That's right. and uh, and God will turn his back on the ungodly, you know, and and that's that's what happens. I mean, that's what happened to Saul. That's right. King Saul. Yeah. He, he, he wasn't a godly person anymore. Nope. And it eventually got him. Yeah. And God will turn his back on the ungodly. And, you know, that's that's what will happen in this nation. Yep. Is God will turn his back on the ungodly and. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. We just have to worry about ourselves and and try to save as many people as we can as we go along. And that's one hundred percent correct. And teach the, his gospel and, and try to to convert people. That's and, what it's about. Yeah, I mean, that's what uh, Noah did. You know. Yep. And he only saved his family. You know, and what's <laughs> what's interesting about this? So a lot of times, as an evangelist, mm-hmm. we try to rate our success. Yeah. Right. And. And here's something that we need to understand. It's our job to take people to the truth, take them to that fork in the road, and make them decide between God or themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's our job. If we do that, it's successful in God's eyes. Whether they turn to God or not is irrelevant for our work. And what I mean by this, Noah is that perfect example. And again, I'm going off a sidetrack here, but you brought him up. So I'm, here sorry. We are. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. Noah was called a preacher of righteousness. Yeah. He didn't save anyone except his family. Yeah. But God considered him a preacher of righteousness. Not because he saved so many souls, but rather because he preached righteousness. Yeah. Our job is to preach truth. And there was probably many a soul on that day going, oh, man, we should have listened to Noah. And as soon as God shut that door... Yep. It was over. Yeah. And, you know, the floods start coming. How I, I can't imagine, and it doesn't. the Bible doesn't talk about it, but I can imagine people trying to run up to the ark after. Yeah. As the floods are coming down, they start running towards the ark, and it's too late. Well, and I, I, I think, you know, just kind of bring this back to, you know, what David did here in verse 8 of Samuel 24. You know, Brother David Porter talks about this all the time. Is anything we say going to change our president or our leaders, 
minds? No. It may not. We need to focus. We need to not worry about that as much. And yeah, that's a and, very good and point. And really focus on the people that we can save and the example we can set. Yep. Here, the people that we touch, you know. Just like... Now, we can vote. We can vote. Yeah. And we do, you know. So, you know, that's our choice. We can vote. That's about all we can do. Yeah. But we start uh, spewing, you know, arguments or whatever uh, about our politicians. Uh, you know, it, it can be almost taken the wrong way, you know. Right. And and it's not productive. Yeah. Seems like. No, and, and you're actually wrestling over flesh and blood. Yeah. It's not your place. You know, let And if if David can bow to King Saul here after all this, <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we can, you know, worry about the things we need to worry That's about. That's right. Our president <laughs> right now is not trying to kill us. So even if he does try to kill us And and whatever happens it's gonna be God's <laughs> will. That's right. You know, and well, and and here's how I always view it. If God wants me to live, I'm going to live. If he wants yeah. me to die, I'm going to die. Yeah. Nothing I can do is going to change that. Mm-hmm. You know, worrying about it, stressing about it, at the end of the day, it's the Lord's will. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> and so, but yeah, and, and so that's something that we need to always keep in mind. And then another spot later on in David's life, after he slept with Bathsheba, yeah. killed Uriah, one of his punishment was, you know, his first firstborn is going to die. Yeah. But then another one, um, Absalom is his son is going to rise up against him mm-hmm. and openly uh, shame everything, mm-hmm. and that's what he does. And then when he is when he is fleeing from Absalom, his son, Psalm three is a psalm that he wrote. Mm-hmm. And so let's turn over there. Okay. And let's we got bring... about nine minutes. Are you serious already? Yeah. And there's one thing I want to bring up. Yeah, go ahead. About about him, I can do it after this. Or the the thing that I wanted to bring up was um, what um, brother Heath Rogers was talking about. It, what's remarkable about God's word is we get the whole picture. It's unbiased. Okay? That's right. If if someone wrote a book about David. Chances are they would leave out some of the bad. Okay. Yeah. They only get what they want you to hear. Because they're like the heroes of faith. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. The hero of faith. And you would only got the battles that he won and That's the great right. things that he'd done. But guess what? That's not what we get. We get the whole picture. It's unbiased. That's right. You think David wanted everyone to know about his affair with Bathsheba? No. No. No, but we got it. The full picture. That's right. There was murder. You know, idolatry. I mean, the whole works right well, and, there. And we got the whole picture. Yeah, and notice how the adultery led to so much more sin. Yeah. You know, it, it was to, one thing after another. Just stacked lies, on top of each other. More lies, and then, well, he still has to cover it up, so let's... I know that, like, some of our pillars of, say, this country, the founding fathers, whatever. Yeah. If you get the full picture, some of them weren't that great at people. <laughs> right. You know... Uh, or or any prominent person in history, you get the history books. The history books only tell you what you what they want you to know. Yeah. Okay. Because there's the other things that happened. You're not getting the full unbiased picture like we get in God's Word. That's right. And so you know this is this is the real deal. This is what God wants us to, and we can learn from the good and the bad. And it, you're right. And and what I love about hearing the the bad about. You know the, these great men of faith, mm-hmm. because I know I fail. Yeah, and but that gives me courage when I do fail. I look at them, and be like, okay, what did they do when they when they failed? Yeah, what did they do? It was always what made them such great men of faith was the fact that they turned back to God. Yeah, you know, Judas. Yeah, he repented, but he didn't turn back to God. He went out and hung himself. Mm-hmm. Peter, he repented, mm-hmm. but then he came back to Christ. Yeah, you know. I'm thinking of one. Who's the one that left his cloak with the harlot? Oh, I'm sorry, I put you on the spot. Yeah, um, it was. Wasn't it? Um, wasn't it? Uh, Jacob? No, uh, yeah, Jacob. It, it was Jacob. Yeah, and it's like, really, Jacob? <laughs> yeah, you know? and you're going, wow, this is crazy. 
you know? Yeah. But yet, it, it's that's why it's an unbiased picture. And it's all given to us to learn from. It doesn't yep. give an ex, a, excuse to be like that. Yeah. It's an example for us because we can see what happened to them, the punishments that were handed down, you know, and the things so that we can avoid those. It's for us to learn from. Yeah. It's not an excuse to just go do whatever you want. And But not only that... You know, let's say you're studying with somebody, and they're a drunkard. Well, yeah. some of the great men of faith were drunkards. Mm-hmm. What did they do? They turned to God. Yes. They put away that. You know, that's what I love about Paul. Yeah. He killed the Christians. Yeah. And he persecuted just, and killed them, mm-hmm. and he turned away from it. And as soon as he knew it was wrong, yeah. 180 degree turn. That's right. And so... Um, so we're going to read Psalm 3? Yeah, Psalm 3, 3 through 6. Notice, uh, and I want to draw something out here. Um, I'll go ahead and read it. 3 through 6 of Psalm 3. And this is when he is fleeing from Absalom. This is when he wrote this psalm. He says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke. For the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who set themselves against me all around. So, (laughs) in verse 5, he says, I lay down and I slept. This is something, when you are fleeing for your life, Mm -hmm. you don't rest. Yeah. You know, um... I watch some cop shows sometimes, and the the detective when they finally arrest this guy that's been on the on the run for however long, mm-hmm. as soon as they get him in the interrogation room, mm-hmm. he immediately goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. And and the cop, you know, as he's looking through the the one way window, you know, where he can see them but they can't see him, he's sleeping. He says that's a sure sign of guilt. Mm-hmm. Because the whole time they were running, they could not rest. They were freaking out for their life. Well, mm-hmm. now they're caught. Now they can rest because it, they don't have to worry anymore. One, that <laughs> reminds me of one of the, sh- uh, I, I think it's a show called I Almost Got Away With It. Mm. And uh, those people run and run and run and run, sometimes for years. Yeah. From the law or whatever. And they, they, they have alias names and they're trying to you know, run and then they finally get caught. It's probably like a huge relief because they're always looking over their shoulder, you know? Yeah. And I, I've even heard that, too, where they're like, man, I just feel like yeah. the weight was just lifted off my yeah, shoulders. exactly. You know, and but here, he was able to lay down and sleep. Mm-hmm. Like, he was comforted by the Lord. Mm-hmm. That is something you only find in the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, and Philippians 4, 7 talks about the peace that surpasses all understanding. David had that. Mm-hmm. David had that peace that surpassed all understanding. No one could understand, how can you sleep when you're fleeing for your life? Well, because my trust is in the Lord. Mm-hmm. If he's going to take my life, he's going to take it. I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> That's something that really stuck out to me. When I read this, I was like, he was able to lay down and sleep. You don't do that when you're running. Mm-mm. You know, When you're fleeing for your life, you're freaking out. You, you don't lay down and sleep. But David did because his heart was with the Lord. And so that's something I don't think we're going to have enough time to get anywhere else. Chad, what do you think? <laughs> no, we got about three minutes, two minutes. Yeah. And so, um, you know, even David, and, and it, we'll, we'll actually skip past it. I could get into Psalm 51. That's that's the psalm. If you're listening in, read we that on your own. Homework. Yeah. yeah, read it on your own. Psalm 51, this is when... When Nathan finally came to David and called him out for all the sins that he committed with Bathsheba, murdering to cover it up and all that, he was called out. And read how humbled he was before the Lord. Mm -hmm. He didn't try to hide it from the Lord. He didn't try to make excuses like Saul did. He just humbled. And he laid out his sin before God. And he says, Mm -hmm. Lord, you know my sin is ever so present before me. Mm -hmm. Forgive me. You Mm -hmm. know, and... That right there, that humbled heart, is exactly what we need. Mm-hmm. When we sin, how many times do we try to cover it up? Yeah. Lay it out before God. He already knows. You can't hide it from Him. Lay it out before Him. Well, and at that point, um, okay, what a, there's something to learn from it. 
yeah. with every hardship you learn, you know, and like Peter, you know, denying Christ. Did he learn from that? You think Peter denied Christ anymore after that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so, you know, you learn from it and you're like, okay, all right, I got this. It I makes know you what, stronger. I know what I need to do now. That's and, right. And so, yeah, with every hardship, you become stronger, you know, and King David, same way, you know, every hardship, uh, you know, setback, he became stronger, you know, that, and, and you can see that in his Psalms. That's right. That he writes. And, um, one thing that really sticks out to me, let's end with Psalm 23. Okay. That's the one Psalm I've been thinking David. about. You know, the reason why he was able to do what he did was because he allowed God to take the reins on his life. He allowed God to shepherd him. This is the one I thought we were going to read earlier. Yeah. <laughs> so, this one is, is pretty well known. A lot of times, if, if you grow up in the church, well known, yeah. in, you know, in, in Bible class, you know, your teacher will probably have you memorize this. I know that happened with me. Um, and I think your mom did that here with the kids. Mm-hmm. I think she did that not too long ago. Um, but here it is. So, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so this this psalm, you know, it goes so much deeper. You know, you can you can almost have like a deep study on Psalm twenty three alone. You know, like for example, with with the sheep, after they eat, if they if they go right to drinking, they're going to get an upset stomach. So he makes me to lie down in green pasture. So what what the good shepherd does after they eat, he makes them lie down. Let the food digest before going by. And notice it's still waters. Sheep are very skittish. They don't like moving water because if they fall in, they're going to drown because of their wool. Yeah. And so the good shepherd takes them beside still waters. You know, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know, and he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And, it, it you know, so I think we mentioned uh, as people... We we don't know the right way. We need a shepherd to tell us. That's right. Um, what's the right way to go? We we can't do it on our own. Yeah. You know, and it goes back to to what we were talking about. You know, it's not in us to know the way. Jeremiah ten. Jeremiah ten twenty three. <laughs> Thank you. It's I'm, not I'm in gonna, us. We need help though. We need that's right. we need guidance. And and we what's funny is we talked about this in class a little bit too. Mm-hmm. You know, ship when sheep. They don't know, like you're trying to get them to go to a certain place. They don't know, mm-hmm. and and they'll. It's almost like they never know until one sheep starts going in. Then they all follow. Mm-hmm. Christ came down, and he was the first sheep to go through. You know, he he was the first one to show us the way. Without Christ coming down and showing us the way, we would know nothing. Yeah, right. We would be lost forever. But he he came down and he shown us the way, and all we got to do is follow him. Mm-hmm. We got to follow his footsteps. We got to follow the path he laid out for us mm-hmm. in Scripture, and and that's what's so beautiful about it. But notice in verse four, the, your rod and your staff they comfort me. Mm-hmm. A good shepherd uses his staff to guide the sheep, right? And, so he'll and, he'll tap them on the sides. Yeah, and that's just it. The comfort comes from the instruction. Yeah, and so you know when we're going through hardships or, yeah. or whatever, that's him. Guiding us to the right yeah. path, you know. Mm-hmm. It, there's a purpose for us going through it. There's there's a reason why we're going through it. And notice how he says, you know, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. So that what the uh, anointing the, with the oil, you know, when they get a scratch or something like that, that oil helps it heal. Mm-hmm. And so Christ, you know, as we go before our enemies, perhaps we're going to get beat up. But you know what? He's going to anoint us with oil. He's going to he's going to make us better. And just like with anything, you learn from it. Like when I was in construction, I uh, I was trying to cut a wedge 
with the two by four, and I I bound the blade, and the blade kicked back. I almost cut my finger off. Guess what? I will never do that again. Yeah. I learned from it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we learn from we learn from the battles that we face. Mm-hmm. That's why God allows us to go through those mm-hmm. battles because there's something we need to learn from it. Mm-hmm. So that's. I think that's a great place to yeah, end, Chad. That's it. Because I think we're out of time we anyway. We're out but of time, but that's what makes David a man after God's own heart. Yep. Was God was always his shepherd. Mm-hmm. God, he allowed God to guide him. Mm-hmm. All we have to do is be like that and allow God to guide us. Mm-hmm. Even if we if we fall short, turn back to God. Yeah. Don't turn away from him. Turn back to God and continue in yep. in that good way. Yep. All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, we enjoyed the study. Uh, We'll be looking forward to another study with you next week. Uh, Be sure and like and subscribe and and share uh, the podcast with your friends and and, uh, if you like what you hear. And and we'll uh, be looking forward to another Saturday next week. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you you later.